Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 64 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for continuing to teach us every day through your word. Help us keep your word holy and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see what's happening in Luke chapter 20. The Pharisees and Sadducees went to the temple to ask Jesus by what authority he was performing all the miracles and teaching with such wisdom. He in turn asked them a question. He asked them about John the Baptist's authority. Since they were against John the Baptist, they were caught in quite a quandary. They couldn't answer him anything because any answer they gave him would put them in a dark light. So Jesus didn't answer their question. Then Jesus told them the parable of the man who planted a vineyard and leased it out to tenants. He left the vineyard in their hands while he was away. He sent people to collect the rent, but they were treated badly. He sent more and more were disgraced. He sent another who was then wounded. Then the owner sent his son thinking they would respect him, but instead they killed him because then they thought they would gain the inheritance. Well, the owner of the land is God. The people he sent were the prophets. Then at last he sent his son, whom the people killed because they thought they would inherit his inheritance. But no, God would put them out. Jesus says something interesting in verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken in pieces, but upon whomever it falls, it will crush him, winnow him, and scatter him as dust. Those of us who fall on Christ, we are broken for him. He will break off the humanness of us, but those he falls on will be scattered and will not enter into his kingdom. Let us seek to be broken for Christ and not scattered beyond him. They continued to question him to catch him on something for which they could imprison him. So they asked him about giving Caesar, thinking he would probably say only give to God. But in his wisdom, he looks at the coin and tells them to give the money due the person on the coin. Such wisdom from Christ. Next, some Sadducees ask him a question that was again a trick. They didn't even believe in any kind of spiritual resurrection, yet they asked him what man would have the bride in the resurrection who'd married seven brothers on this earth. Jesus replies, outstanding. First, he says in Luke 20, verse 36, for they cannot die again, but they are angel-like and equal to angels. And being sons of and sharers in the resurrection, they are sons of God. Then in verse 38, he says, now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all men are alive, whether in the body or out of it. And they are alive, not dead unto him in definite relationship to him. Jesus said, we are told God sees us as angel-like beings. To be angel-like is almost beyond my capacity to understand and yet sounds so very beautiful. The Lord sees us through his perfect eyes. We are raised up with Christ in his love and perfection, saved by grace. God's ways and plans are magnificent. Everyone was listening when Jesus turned to his disciples and told them to beware of the scribes. He didn't hide anything but talked about the scribes and Pharisees while they were still present, letting them know he knew who they were and what they were about. Let's see what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul starts out writing about the mercy of God and that he and his ministry friends keep preaching without being discouraged because the Lord kept them strong. However, there are people who are lost and blinded by the world. And Paul writes about the light, the light of Jesus sent to this earth to shine light into the darkness. 
Verses six and seven say, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Yes, we are grateful for the light God sent to this world. And I certainly feel the frailty Paul writes about as well. He writes that God shows us his greatness, power, and might through our frailty and weakness. So we can lean into the Lord today. We can lean into his strength, power, and might. And we can be thankful God sent his son to make it possible for us to sit in his presence and be restored and strengthened. Thankful we can sit in God's presence and receive his love. And thankful we can sit in God's presence and allow his mercy and grace to flow over our souls. As we have also been reading the Old Testament, this was nearly impossible before Jesus came to the earth. There were sacrifices to be made and rituals to follow to receive God's forgiveness and walk in his ways. But today, today we are able to meet directly with God and invite his spirit to live in ours. Then Paul writes about the adversity he faces, but he is not deterred even when he is faced with the prospect of death. He had been beaten to the point of death at various times, sentenced to death, and yet he was still alive only by God's grace. He continues to write about God's grace and how the more grace there is given, the more there is reason to be thankful. He looks to the everlasting in all things and not the temporary. His commitment to the people and their spiritual growth is outstanding. Let's see what God is instructing Moses. In chapter 11, the people started complaining because it was hard. I'm sure all of it was hard. The setting up, the tearing down, the walking through the wilderness. But their complaining made God angry. And he consumed some of the outlying people with fire until Moses heard their cries and he prayed to the Lord. Then the fire subsided. Verse four says, and the mixed multitude among them, the rabble who followed Israel from Egypt began to lust greatly for familiar and dainty food. And the Israels wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? There was a mixture of people here, not just true Israelites. These people followed after the Israelites and they began to sin. They began to lust after food. They impacted the Israelites who then started complaining. It's no wonder the Lord wanted the Israelites to be a pure people. It seems sin often came from those who weren't in his chosen people. God was furious. It was almost more than Moses could bear. He asked God if these were all his children that he was supposed to care for, and then asked God to take his life if it was going to end like this. All the complaining and moaning was almost too much to bear, and he asked God to take his life immediately. God took pity on Moses and told him to find 70 men, elders of Israel, and he would put his spirit upon them as he had done with Moses so that Moses didn't have to bear the burden of all the people himself. This was done. However, God's wrath was still against the people. They wanted meat, so the Lord sent them quail. Moses questioned God about how this was even possible. And God said, has the Lord's hand, his ability and power become short, thwarted, and inadequate you shall see now whether my word shall come to pass for you or not. God was not happy. He sent the quail and with it a plague and all the people who lusted after food and niceties were killed. God desires our worship. When we worship anything more than him, it is a sin. As we read through the Old Testament, I find there are far more things I need to ask for forgiveness for. Maybe you find the same. We can be thankful the Lord made a way for our sins to be forgiven. We need only ask for forgiveness and believe in his son. In Numbers chapter 12, there's a little drama in the camp. Aaron and his wife Miriam talk badly about Moses. 
They said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not also spoken by us? Jealous, maybe? It was like they wondered what was so special about Moses that he was given such stature among the people. After all, he married a Cushite woman, not an Israelite. The Cushites come from Noah's genealogy. It appears Aaron and Miriam were tired of being second best, or so they thought. Anyway, we all have a lane to stay in, and I am reminded of this many times, most times when I try and get out of my lane. It didn't go well for Aaron and Miriam, just like it doesn't go well for me. The Lord was extremely angry with them for speaking poorly about Moses. Verse 3 says, Now the man Moses was very meek, gentle, kind, and humble, or above all the men on the face of the earth. First, we see the kind of qualities the Lord desires in us, gentleness, kindness, and a humble nature. Second, we read about God's wrath against the two people who spoke badly about the leader he chose. When we complain, we complain against God. I'll let you read the rest of the story so I don't spoil it for you. As I read this again, I feel quite convicted about my own speaking as of late. Let's consider who we are in this story and then ask God to help us come up in whatever area he is asking us to come up in. And let's ask for the forgiveness we need, if we need it, so our offenses are not counted against us. As we learned from Paul earlier, Christ died to make us righteous in God's sight. Our continual request for forgiveness puts us right in God's sight through the blood of Jesus. Let's see what King David is writing about in Psalm 64. He's writing about his son, Absalom, the words that Absalom speaks against him. The betrayal of his son must have been one of the most difficult issues he'd ever faced. It was one thing to have King Saul against him, but quite another to have his son turn against him. He still believes the Lord will take care of him, though. The last verse, verse 10, says, The uncompromisingly righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust and take refuge in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory and offer praise. Yes, let us praise God for all he is and all he does. He is great and is greatly to be praised. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word that shows us your power and might. May you be glorified forevermore, Lord. We praise your name. May your praise be in our hearts and spoken by our mouths. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.